0: Zach Wilson, and it goes to Corey Davis. Crowder trying to get him out of space, oh, oh, slips oh, a tackle, oh. and there he goes. Crowder, it's a foot race, and Crowder is in there. A 69-yard touchdown. he hit immediately. got the handoff. You know and <laughs> the q Oh, my gosh. Thank you.
1: From the playlikeajet.com digital studio This is Play Like a Jet, my name is Scott Mason You can follow me on Twitter at playlikeajet1 And it is time for a mailbag We're doing this because of course the Jets played Thursday this week And so we've got time to answer some questions And because of that we bring in the owner, the operator, the lead reporter The whole shebang over at jetsinsider.com And above all that a very big deal, Mr. Chris Nimbley Next question comes in from Coffee and Jets He says, if you're Joe Douglas Who are you paying at the end of the season Out of the guys that are on expiring contracts? The only two guys that really stick out to me That I really like to see them keep Are Jamison Crowder and Foley Fadakasi Now those two guys I think there's a good chance They both end up elsewhere Only because the Jets are pretty deep at defensive line And I don't know that they're going to want to shell out A bunch of money to a guy who's primarily a run stuffer Especially after they just paid John Franklin Myers And they're going to have to pay Quinn and Williams In a year or two And then Jamison Crowder, I think, is probably going to end up elsewhere as well, simply because the Jets are going to say they've got other options at wide receiver. But to me, keeping a guy like Crowder is a good idea because, as I've said many times, all he does is get open and make plays. You can always use a guy like that. I think he'll get offers elsewhere. He'll probably want to go somewhere where he has a better chance to win right away. And I'm not so sure that the Jets are really that interested in keeping him, but those are the two guys that I would keep. As far as who they actually do keep, I don't know. Maybe Marcus May, if he ends up having to stay on a relatively inexpensive one-year deal because of the injury and the -the off-the-field stuff. I don't know if they're going to try to keep LaMarcus Joyner, because obviously he barely played. He got hurt in the first game. I'm not sure what's going to happen there. Maybe Keelan Cole, if he's willing to stay on a reasonable deal. I'm not sure, but... Off the top of my head, that's what I would tell you. If you were asking me who I would want to keep of all those guys, the top two guys would be Crowder and Fatakasi, but I think there's a pretty strong chance they both end up elsewhere.
0: Yeah, I would agree with with every, pretty much everything you said there. The, we'll start with uh, you know the the injury to Marcus May, I do think actually increases the chances of him possibly signing in at a much lower rate. This seems like uh, Marcus May will probably end up taking a one-year deal, no matter what. That's like because an Achilles injury this late into the season means that it's most likely uh, not only going to end this season, but the injury is going to carry over into next season. So it might be beneficial for him to stay with, uh, you know, a team. Um, but who knows? the contracts that, he, that he's going to get offered is definitely going to be lower, but we'll see the jets might not even want him uh, back regardless at a lower number. So who knows, but I'm with you on uh, both James and Crowder and full of I If, if I'm in charge, I would like them back, but this is one of those situations where the price has to be right. And I'm really not going to budge off that price too much. I don't know what that price is. I'd have to look into it, but uh, you know, with, with the, uh, the rest of that wide receiver group with the way that college seems to just be churning out receivers uh, I'm, I'm not going to invest a, a bunch of money in Jamison Crowder. Look, we, we saw what they did this offseason by chopping his contract in half. So that gives you a, a clue right there that they're not going to be willing to pay him, but so much. Uh, so it's going to come down to what other teams are willing to pay and yeah, There's a good chance someone's going to be willing to pay more than me. Uh, and same goes for Uh Excellent against the run. You would love to have him back. But I point out, uh, didn't help much la- uh, against the Colts or the Patriots. And uh, you can find run stuffing D tackles in the draft. That's one thing that's relatively easy to do. So, again, I would, I would absolutely be all for uh, bringing him back. I would try to bring him back. But there's a price where I'm like, yeah, we can't bring you back at that point. Um, Who knows? Your take about Marcus Jordan is perfect because, no, no. Um, I'd certainly like to see him back. I'd like to see another shot at that. Um, And, yeah, I'd bring Keelan Cole back for sure. Uh, He's, you know, he's definitely not going to cost much. And now maybe somebody else offers him more than I'm willing to pay. But he's he's I've since they signed him, like he is a great person to have as your like fourth receiver. Um, so I I'd absolutely be interested in bringing him back. But we'll we'll have to see exactly how it plays out. But there's not there's nobody. Not um, they paid John Franklin Myers and. You know, he's been a little quiet since then. But there's nobody else on this roster where I, I'm going to be, like, crushing Joe Douglas for not keeping or I'm going to be banging the table for it. Like, they have to keep him. They have to keep him. Right now, there's nobody on expiring contract that's going to do that for me. Play like a jet. Play like a jet.
1: Next question comes in from Jesus de la Paz, Jr. He says, with Mike LaFleur getting into a groove, what do you think we can expect From Tevin Coleman and Corey Davis When they return? It's a good question I think Davis will be good Been a little up and down here with the Jets But you gotta imagine with Lafleur, As you said hitting his groove That Davis will get plenty of opportunities And produce As far as Tevin Coleman, I would have said Before the game on Thursday You wouldn't expect much from him because he's behind Michael Carter and Ty Johnson But Ty Johnson fumbled again So I'm not so sure what's going to happen there Maybe That opens up the door for Tevin Coleman to get a couple of touches. The one thing we will say is Coleman obviously knows the offense well. The coaching staff likes him, so maybe he'll get a couple of touches, maybe some passes out of the backfield opportunities that way. But I do think that Davis will certainly help, and Coleman might as well.
0: Yeah, I think uh, Corey Davis much more. Um, Yeah. He's been really good at ev- everything except for the catching the ball part. That's <laughs> that's where he's had the inconsistencies this year, which I get is is a big thing. But again, I've pointed this out many times. This is not something that has been a constant throughout his career. He's had consistency issues, but it's not because he just simply can't catch the ball. So uh, I, I think absolutely you send him back in there. He's going to just pick up uh, getting open and doing the same type of thing. I, I And... Now, if they have a uh, quarterback who's going to get them the ball, we'll also see exactly how it goes. Cause again, I'll bring up um, the average depth. The target of Mike White was very, very shallow. Uh, so Corey Davis tends to run routes a little bit uh, more. So I think that uh, he'll be open. Will he get hit as much? We'll have, we'll see. Um, and And you're right about the Tevin Coleman thing. I tend to think that they're still going to stick with Ty Johnson a, a little bit more here. Um that that uh you know, Aries Letter just punching the ball out like that and it, it it sucked and it was a crucial moment in the game, but I don't I don't think they're gonna knock him too much for that. And I Tevin Coleman, I'm not gonna say Tevin Coleman's getting no touches, but I don't see Tevin Coleman barring injury to either the two guys in front of him. I don't see Tevin Coleman getting like more than five uh touches a game, something like that at this point.
1: Next question comes in from Ginger Kid. He says, I keep seeing people asking who the one pass jet you'd add to the roster is. Why is no one talking about Vlad Dukas? He'd be a major upgrade at right guard. I have to assume this is satirical if this is what we're talking about with Vladimir Dukas being the one jet that you would add from the past. The obvious answer is that you'd want somebody on that offensive line to shore up that right guard spot. So maybe you would say Fanica, Brandon Moore, somebody like that. But yeah, definitely not Vlad Dukas. I do assume you're joking. And if you are, it's pretty funny.
0: If you're joking, it's a great joke and brilliant joke. If you're not joking, I um, like stop watching football. <laughs> <laughs> i don't know what else to tell you um but i feel pretty comfortable and confident that that's a joke there um unless you you didn't say the ma- name mike tamenbaum when reading before that so i'm going to say that it that's a joke um if, if you want to stick with right guard then go ahead uh give me some brandon more i i'll go with uh Mangold as my answer here uh the right guard is a more urgent need but I like the idea of addressing center and getting center. I just, I, this is going to be a big theme with me all off season. I'm telling you is, uh, you know, for years, years and years, I've been pounding the just, just draft offensive line, just draft offensive line, go all offensive line, go all offensive line if you have to. And now I'm going to be sitting here hammering the, you know, centers are really important and underrated uh, table. I'm really going to bang that drum this off season. They're super important. And one of the most undervalued underrated positions because of everything they have to do to set everything up and, and uh, read the defense and help the quarterback. There's so many responsibilities. So, you know, My brain, when you read the question, my brain first went for Rebus because that's, you know, greatest jet I've ever seen in my life, but who cares uh, about uh, having a corner in today's NFL, especially when the defense is just going to get ran on like they have against the Colts and Patriots. Like that's all the more reason why the Jets shouldn't have bothered uh, focusing too much energy on cornerbacks. Why bother when they're just going to run on you like that? Um, But. You you gotta go offensive line And I'm gonna take the center To to set the stage And run the show
1: If I'm taking a center it would have been Kevin Mawai Not Nick Mangold All due respect to Nick Mangold But I was just sticking with the right guard situation Because it's the biggest weak link On that offense right now So you figure with the rookie quarterback You want to shore that up But if I'm going center All due respect to Nick Mangold Who's awesome Give me Kevin Mawai Next question right. comes I in from AJ well. Tranzano. He says, "Are the Jets really headed in the right direction? Offensively, they seem to be headed in the right direction. Defensively, it looks like they've got a lot of work to do."
0: Yeah, I I do think they are. Um, it it's it's a slow it, it's a slow jot. Uh, like it, they're it, they're just you know very very slowly moving in the right direction here. Uh, the offense definitely is. I still think the defense is too. We were talking about this before we started recording. They've been really hammered with injuries this year. And you correctly pointed out, you know, NFL, this happens. And I said, yeah, it feels a little more this year. Although I I added the caveat that it probably feels more just because of, uh, you know, how shallow this roster is. How there's not enough depth here. And big names have gone out and they've had to scramble through so much. It probably feels a little bit more. But it's such a young, inexperienced roster with these types of injuries, and you have a, a first-time head coach, first-time uh, offensive coordinator—like they're they're going through the growing pains right now. They're learning a lot of lessons on the job. Uh, they're getting so many of these lessons out of the way. You got to hope that you know year two they they'll be able to soak out all that information and move forward with it. But I still do think that with uh, you add some more talent in the right places on defense, and I'm not really worried. I'm not worried about it long-term. Like I said, there that's a flaw in the system for uh, how they've been getting run on lately, but the system has managed to, to stop that plenty easily before. Um, I, I think if you give them the talent, they'll be able to do that without too much of an issue. And the offense now is starting to uh, pick up the pace and you're starting to see signs of uh, what they expect it to be, what they really think it can be. Um, the question is how how quick can Zach Wilson catch up to speed and can he at all? Um, but it's it's a slow, a slow job, but they're, they're moving in the right direction.
1: Next question comes in from Harry Skillman. He says, if you were Joe Douglas, which feasible trade would you have tried to make at the trade deadline? Honestly, I just don't know that there was a feasible trade. The only guys that they really have that you'd want to trade or consider trading because they're veterans who are coming up on free agency are Foley Fadakasi, Jamison Crowder, and Marcus May. And I just don't know what kind of value those guys would have. Fadakasi's a really good player, but how much value can you get for a run-stuffing defensive tackle who's about to hit free agency? Crowder, as I said before, all he does is get open and make plays. But again, what are you getting for a 28-year-old slot receiver who's about to hit free agency? Marcus May, we know all the baggage there. What are you getting for him? So at that point, you're probably not getting much in the way of offers, and you're not going to be going around and trading your young players. So I don't know that there was a feasible trade to make at the trade deadline, which is probably why they didn't make one.
0: Yeah, and I mean, you know, 2020 hindsight, revisionist history, all that, you could certainly say, well... All right, Marcus May is out. Going to be out for the season now, so we might as well have just traded him then. But I don't know what the offers were. If uh, like I don't know, um, I'm imagining that they weren't getting uh, any like crazy really good offers. I would think anything third roundish uh, they probably would have snatched. Um, you know, even fourth or fifth they might have considered it. I would think. Uh, I don't know who, but that's really the only one. Uh, There's what there is. This isn't a tank situation. That's like you still, you know, the playoffs aren't here. You're still thinking uh, rebuild long term, but there's a difference between being in rebuild mode uh, with already having your rookie, your quarterback that you want to go into the future with and just strip it down, sell it for parts. We're tanking. Like, that, that's different. The Jets aren't in that strip it down, sell it for parts mode where it's just like just every single veteran that we can get anything for just ship out because they're still sitting there weighing like, OK, yeah, we could move this guy who maybe we won't resign, but that's going to hurt us now. And they need all the help they can now so they can still evaluate everybody else. You, you, you can't trade Jamison Crowder because then that's still one less reliable weapon to judge the rest of the offense with. You can't trade, uh, you know, a Marcus may because there's that safety room has been an absolute mess with injuries and who's in and out. And now all of a sudden you're going to have nobody, uh, you know, responsible, uh, that you can count on behind uh, the corners and, and linebackers, which you have now anyway, but that's what it is. It's because they still need these players to help with everybody else for the evaluation process much more than it is like, we can't change Jamison Crowder because we're trying to make the playoffs. That's not what they're thinking here, but they still need uh, the, off- uh, the the team and the roster to be filled with as much as they can to see what everybody else has and going forward and judge from there. So that's a huge difference than just last year, where it's just tank strip it and sell it for parts mode.
1: Next question comes in from big Zoe. He says, do you think the jets have a shot this year? They did beat two division leaders. (laughs) It is kind of funny that the Jets only played two teams With a winning record and beat them both But no they don't have a shot this year Unless by shot you mean a shot at a top 10 draft pick Because if that's the question Then yes they have a very good shot at that
0: Football is weird man Football is super weird Especially the NFL Is super super weird And if the Jets end up Beating the Bills, uh In 10 days Like oh boy Uh <laughs> Like that's it's not going to happen. Um, and if, if they do do that, that there's a eh, high, said, do do. Um, but if they <laughs> do do that, they're not, it's still not going to like go and launch them into some playoff run, but yeah, football is weird. That that's how it happens. You can look bad against all the other, all these teams and then go out and beat two of the best teams that you played. And, uh, a, a, football is a, just a weird, weird sport It just doesn't make sense uh, Like That's why a lot of times When you look at games and you're like How did this happen? You just have to say football happened
1: Next question comes in from Michael Christopher, he says Is it prudent to draft a center top 15 in the draft? Did we as Jets fans get Spoiled because we got to watch Nick Mangold and Kevin Mawai for 20 years Would you use that high of a pick On a center over a corner or a pass rusher Or wide receiver? It really depends on how the board breaks, honestly. If you really like Tyler Linderbaum and you have him as the top guy on your board, then sure, go ahead. Take him. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I wouldn't go into the draft thinking that I have to draft the center, but if there's one that I really like in the spot where I'm picking, sure, why not?
0: Great timing for a question, at considering what I just said a couple minutes ago about uh, me banging the drum for centers. But it's of course bad timing uh, for the question, just because I know so little about this draft class at this point in time. Uh, you know, Kayvon Thibodeau is on the board. Yeah, there's a good chance I'm going to go there, uh, but I'm I'm, I'm going to go take that pass rusher at, over the center. But I don't I don't really have a bunch of other names uh, over minimum to uh, to put up there right now. Um, but I I'll, I'll just put it this way. I would be willing to draft him higher than most people would. And the, oh, I can't take a a center that high. I'm not, you're not going to see me being that guy. I'm not necessarily, again, I'll wait. This isn't me saying that I will take him with the number two pick in the draft. There's a long way to go uh, before that. But also, eh. I think it's super important. The The center position is super important. And if you can get somebody who feels close to a no-brainer-ish about this, like if you can get – if Joe Douglas feels about uh, Linderbaum, some other center, kind of how he felt about Elijah Vera tucker then go ahead and take him. Um, uh, I, like, again, I, I feel pretty confident that I will be – willing to draft him higher than, than at least most people. And I think Joe Douglas probably would too. But there, there's a lot of time left to see exactly who enters the draft, what that you know top 10-ish area is going to look like, um, what other players are going to be available. But, yeah, again, this offseason, you can expect to hear a lot out of me about the importance of a center and getting that right.
1: Now to close out the show, we'll get our picks for the week from our friend Walter Cherapinski over at WalterFootball.com. Walter, welcome back to the show, sir
2: thanks scott so with the jets playing on thursday night this week uh let's get to some of the other games uh two of them involving afc east teams the first one is houston plus six at miami uh the texans are obviously one of the worst teams in the in the nfl this year they've won only one game uh but they've only had tyrod taylor for a game and a half uh they clobbered jacksonville week one they were tied with cleveland heading into week two and the jaguars game was the only time they played a team with a losing record uh right now uh this year uh so they They've had a tough schedule, and it's getting easier now. Uh, They played the Dolphins, who are also one of the worst teams in the NFL. They also have just one win. And the Dolphins have lost to the Falcons. They've lost to the Jaguars. There's no way they should be favored by six in this matchup, even against Houston. So I I like the Texans here. I think they can even win outright. Uh, The other AFC East team that I'm fading this week is uh, the Patriots at the Panthers. The Patriots are minus three and a half. So except for the Jets, the Patriots have not beaten a team by more than three points. Points this year. So I don't see why they suddenly would beat Carolina by four or more. Uh, the Panthers have an excellent pass rush and they—they, they, I think they can rattle uh, Mac Jones who struggled against the Chargers last week. The Chargers pass rush got to him and the Panthers get to the quarterback even more so than the Chargers do. So I think this is going to be a close game. I, I know the Panthers are going to be starting a backup quarterback in Philip Walker, but I like betting good teams playing backup quarterbacks. So I think the Panthers should be able to keep this game close. I think this is going to be decided by a field goal either way, so the. So the plus three and a half is going to be a winner uh, either way there. So uh, moving on, I like the Falcons plus six at the Saints. So the Saints are coming off a huge win against Tampa. They're getting a ton of money this week. Everyone's on the Saints hype train, but the Saints don't have an explosive offense. Trevor Simeon's going to be starting quarterback. Uh, and I know I just said I like backing good teams playing their backup quarterbacks, but this spread is inflated. It's just way too high. I don't think the Saints can score enough to consistently cover this matchup and Atlanta typically plays close games these teams know each other and with the Saints coming off the Tampa win I think they're going to be flat so I like Atlanta to keep this game close I think it'll also be uh, decided by a field goal um Moving on, I like the Vikings plus six at the Ravens. So the Vikings are coming off an embarrassing loss Sunday night against Cooper Rush, and so everyone is on the Ravens hype train, kind of like New Orleans, uh, because they just want to fade the Vikings, who look terrible Sunday night. But I think this is a better matchup for the Vikings, uh, not just not because uh, Lamar Jackson's on the other side instead of Cooper Rush, but it more so more so has to do with Baltimore's defense. The Ravens blitz so often, and Kirk Cousins is great against the blitz, and the Ravens also struggle to, to tackle in the secondary. We saw what Jamar Chase did to them a couple weeks ago, and I think Justin Jefferson could have a similar performance. Uh, the Vikings typically play better as as uh, big underdogs, so I think they should be able to keep this game close. Remember, they almost won in Arizona in Week 2, and I think this could be similar. I, th- I think the Ravens will win by a field goal, uh, and Baltimore might be looking ahead to their Thursday night game uh, against Miami. Uh, moving on to the late afternoon slate, I like the Packers plus 7 against the Chiefs. So Jordan Love is going to start this game. This goes to what I said earlier, where I like playing good teams, starting their backup quarterbacks. Uh, The Packers, obviously a good team. They're getting back some reinforcements this week. Uh, Devontae Adams, Alan Lazard, Marquise Valdez, Scantling, David Bakhtiari, Kevin King, all these guys will be back from injury. So they should be able to compensate for Aaron Rodgers' uh, absence this week. And the Chiefs have not played well enough to cover a, a seven-point spread against a good team, even with a backward quarterback playing. So I, I, I like the Packers a lot. They might even win outright, but I think this is going to be a close game. So those are the walterfootball.com week nine picks. Back to you, Scott.
1: Thanks, Walter. Make sure you check out everything they're doing at WalterFootball.com. A lot of draft content, plenty of gambling and fantasy. It's all there right now, and it's constantly being updated Walterfootball.com and check out everything that we're doing over at playlikeajet.com and the play like a jet YouTube channel. And if you haven't given us a five-star review on iTunes for the podcast yet, if you could go ahead and do that for us, really appreciate it. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. That's play like a jet digital and play like a jet.com out. Um.